0: Welcome to the Girl on Top, Shalin XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week got a love quandary, head to my website shallinlester.com to get connected, and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at channelinxo, and and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back to the podcast, Shalligator. So this week, Our mantra is going to be about boundaries. I'm reading this book called Essentialism. It's actually going to be the next literature book club selection. It is like permeating every aspect of my life, but it's about how to do, not how to try to do everything. We're going to do it all, but how to do the right things, the beneficial things, the things that actually matter. And a crucial aspect of that is boundaries. And we're going to talk about two different questions today. One about birthdays and one about sex. And you're like, I don't see how those two could possibly have the same mantra involved. But they do. Because it circles back to boundaries on both topics. So let's get relaxed. Let's get comfy. Let's roll our shoulders back. Take some time for ourselves, right? Because we can't decide our boundaries. We can't know ourselves. If we don't take time to let our intuition speak, to let our mind just rest and rejuvenate. So let's make this podcast that time or at the very least the next 20 seconds. So we're going to inhale through our nose and we're going to exhale through our mouth. And our mantra this week is going to be boundaries. Keep everyone happy. Ooh. Okay. In and exhale. Boundaries keep everyone happier. In through the nose. And out through the mouth. All right, we're gonna get into it. And just like always, these questions are sourced from the Shalligator Reddit thread. You guys head on over there. Nicole and Ashley are superb moderators. There's like 2,500 of you guys on there. It's such a great place to chit chat and get advice. And I think you're gonna get something out of this question. This question is about birthdays. And as you know, I recently had my birthday, so this one jumped out at me because no matter when your birthday is, if it's 364 days from now, you're probably feeling kind of the way this chickadee feels, but maybe not to such an extreme degree. I think that there's a lot going on beneath the surface. Okay. So she said, Hi ladies, I need some advice. To preface, I'm a 34-year-old female. I almost always get depressed and extremely down on my birthday. My birthday was yesterday and it got me thinking as I recognized my triggers. My birthday blues stem from having expectations. I have a wonderful family and husband and they all did as much as they could to make my day special and it really was special, but there were a few friends who didn't wish me happy birthday and that crushed me. Then I deleted the friends from my phone and it makes me want to cut people off like that. Is that reasonable or super impulsive? I struggle with oversensitivity, but I'm also a person who goes above and beyond for others. I understand giving should be unconditional, and I'm not there yet. Also, I felt down when my family sat down for dinner and didn't include me. In their defense, I was in the bathroom, and when I went downstairs, I teared up looking at everyone else enjoying dinner without me on my birthday, and I ran in my room crying. I'm ashamed and embarrassed to even write this because, hello, at 34 years old I should be more mature, but the feeling of rejection always gets to me. My mom profusely apologized, she and my mother-in-law and my husband felt terrible. I gave my husband a really hard time because he didn't give me flowers and a card on the day of my birthday, but he did present me with a gift of a trip we're going to be taking and explained that because the rest of our families gave me flowers, he wanted to give me something different and this physical gift hasn't arrived yet and he apologized about that. He brought two of my favorite cakes and I know the trip is going to be wonderful. I just kept going on and on about the lack of flowers and how he couldn't be bothered to do even as little as that for my birthday. And he felt really bad about it. He even teared up. I felt terrible after he told me about the trip. I was so fixated on everyone sitting for dinner without me on my birthday and the lack of flowers for my husband instead of appreciating everyone for their efforts. I'm not a spoiled brat, I swear, but I do suffer from depression. I've always had self-esteem and insecurity issues, which I've been working on by going to therapy. I need advice on why I get like this on my birthday. I can't remember a birthday where I didn't cry, or if I should cut off all the friends who didn't wish me happy birthday. Thank you all in advance. Okay, before we get to my opinion, I'm going to read you the upvoted answer, because again, this comes from the Shalligator Reddit thread, and I think... Jen1287 phrased this very, very well. She said, hey, I don't want to make you feel bad, but I sort of want to be honest. I'm sure you're a lovely person, but to me, as a neutral person, you seem sort of ungrateful and expect very specific things from others. I mean, your partner planned a whole trip for both of you and try to do something extraordinary. That's so sweet. And he probably thought a lot about it. Like he said, he didn't want to just buy you flowers like everyone else did. Also, getting gifts for your birthday is not something you should take for granted. I personally don't understand why you immediately deleted your friends. Like, the pandemic is hard for everyone right now. Maybe your friends have their own problems and worries. One of my closest friends forgot to wish me happy birthday last year, too, also during the pandemic. But I know she didn't mean to hurt me. I didn't even bring it up because I know she's working full time in a hard industry. She's in medical practice. She's stressed out. Also, I know what she always does do for me. She always listens. She gives advice. We can talk about anything. So don't be so hard on your friends. Or it could be that you deleted them because you were constantly disappointed by them and they really aren't good friends. I think that that is such a wise thing. Like, again, it was just my birthday. And when it's our birthday, we're like, the world needs to stop spinning. And then when it's other people's birthday, we're like, hey, happy birthday. And it's a text and that's it. And we're like, yeah, you know, it's it's a birthday. But when it's ours, we're the center of the universe. And this This goes back to what I always say about depression. We are incredibly selfish when we're depressed and we're not dealing with it. When I was clinically depressed, I was a fucking monster. I was the most selfish, awful, self-aggrandizing victim person you could possibly imagine. It truly never occurred to me to ask how other people were doing. It didn't because I was the one in pain. It's me, I'm the one in pain. And then you add a birthday on top of this when society tells you you're allowed to be selfish. And holy shit, it's just this perfect storm of expectations and truly entitlement. You know, there's a phrase that I heard one time in like a law, law and order or something. And it was, hey, if you're homicidal, you're suicidal. No, 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 wait, 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 I'm no, sorry. I got that backwards. If you're suicidal, you're homicidal. And I thought that that was a very apt metaphor for when we're in pain. Now, of course, not. I don't mean literally. If you're literally suicidal, you're homicidal. Like Jesus, it's a metaphor. But when we're in pain, we're willing to hurt anyone else because we feel justified doing. It, right? I I deserve these things because I'm in. I'm depressed. Are you depressed because you're not doing anything to ameliorate it? I mean, I didn't really hear that here in this. It's like. I'm in therapy and I'm working on it. It's like, I'm depressed and I have low self-esteem. Okay, so that means you're a cold-blooded animal. That means you're relying on everyone in your life to fill you up, to make you whole, and you just kind of sit there. It's like, well, I don't know, I'm depressed. So that's, I'm depressed. Everyone else has to make me happy. No, sweet baby girl, you got to make yourself happy. I'm sure you were expecting this loving, warm, electric blanket of a hug of an answer. No, 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 no. That's really not my brand. That's not my vibe. It's not my personality. Do you know why? Because I know that you guys are capable of better. If I didn't think you were capable of any better, I'd be like, yeah, you know, it's hurtful when people don't say this, like, hand job of an answer. Nope. It's time to get it together. And... Like I said, it's natural to have high expectations on our birthday, for sure. But like Jen1287 said, who responded, people have their own lives. And the fact that people can show up for us at all, not only just because it's a pandemic, but honey, because we're adults and life is very complicated. Life is very full. There's things that you don't know what's going on in their lives that maybe they haven't shared with you because they don't want to burden you because you're depressed or because maybe they have tried to share things and... You know, you didn't really plug in as much as they were hoping. So one thing that stood out to me in this question is when you said, I struggle with oversensitivity, but I'm also a person who goes above and beyond for others. I have a lot of people in my life who who are exactly this. They, they're they very, very, very sensitive. And in their mind, they go above and beyond for others. And I, I say that because that they are truly loving from the place that they know how to love, you know, and their version of loving and going above and beyond is texting you literally 25 times to make sure you're okay. And if you don't answer, they're calling, well, where are you? And I just want to make sure you're okay. And for them, that's, I'm, I'm plugging in. I'm making sure everything's fine. For the recipient, sometimes it's overwhelming and it's burdensome. And it feels like, I have to pacify this person and make her think that she's doing exactly the right, perfect thing because I know if I give her any note like, hey, I love you, please don't call me 10 times at one in the morning, even if you think I'm not okay. I just, I'm, I'm probably just asleep. Like, please, I can't, I can't do this. Then they're hurt about it. And then somehow I end up apologizing. I had a friend when I was getting married and She's like, what can I do to make the day? What can I do? And at first that was like so, so helpful. I was like, oh my God, thank you. You're incredible and amazing. But then it became burdensome. And I was like, literally nothing. Like, I just want you to enjoy. Like, go, go sit in the crowd and mingle. She's like, no, I have to have something to do to make it easier for you. And I was like, that would make it easier. That would make it easier for me. And she just wouldn't hear it. And so it became, her willingness to help became a burden to me. And when, I'm, when I finally was like, I just need you to get out. I just need you to go with the crowd so I can be alone for five minutes. And then she was really upset. And then I had to apologize to her. And I'm like, oh, but it's because she was a cold-blooded animal. We're not friends anymore. But because of stuff like that, it's like, I cannot constantly fill you up, especially when it comes under this guise of, I'm doing something great for you. Part of helping other people and part of truly being there for them is reading the room. What does somebody need? Does someone need just you to be the strong silent type and sit with you on the couch? Does someone need you to buy gifts? Does someone need you to come over and fix the radiator or talk things out? When we have only one version of love and one version of plugging into someone, it's, it can be burdensome for that other person. And I say this, I say this, not to like twist the knife, but because I want you to pull back and stop telling yourself that you go above and beyond for people. I want you to have more boundaries. Because again, let's let's say that you do go above and beyond and you give people exactly what they need and want all the time. And you're the go-to friend and you're the go-to girl. Believe me, girl, believe me. I know how that goes. I'm, I feel that way as well. Like I really pull up for my friends. But then resentment kicks in because we can't do everything. There's only so many hours in the, in the day. There's only so much energy. So if we, if our friend is the one who it's one in the morning, I need you, I need you. And we're racing over there. If we're walking out of dinner with our friends and family to like have the umpteenth conversation with the girl who's still dating the fuck boy, like we become resentful. And therefore there is absolutely nothing these people can give us in return to negate our own resentment. Because really, they didn't cause the problem. We caused it by our lack of boundaries. And I think birthdays put such a light on this. And the people I get the most bitter about, like, you didn't wish me happy birthday and you didn't give me anything. It's the people who I feel overextended with. It's the people who I feel take too much from me because I'm too wussy to put up the boundaries that I need to. Whoa. So this is not a birthday issue. This isn't about flowers. This isn't about trips. This isn't about you being in the bathroom for five minutes and people like passing around the bread rolls. I mean, come on, girl. This is about boundaries. And this is about needing other people to complete you. And so those two things walk hand in hand, right? If we need other people to complete us, well, of course we're not going to have any boundaries. We're going to give and give and give and give because we require them to give back. It's not, oh, I'm gonna pull up for her and just spend a whole weekend with her talking about her problems, and you know what? Someday she'll probably be there for me. No, 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 It is not a casual statement. It's, and that bitch better repay. Why do we have that attitude? Because we're bankrupt. If I have a lot of money to lend and a friend needs some, sure, hey, you know, take $2,000, whatever. That's fine, I'm not pressed about it, I can afford it. If I am completely broke and they need to borrow two grand, you best believe I'm going to be on their ass for a payback, right? This is the same with emotions. So reframe this whole thing and all of our all of our expectations, whether it's a birthday, whether it's an anniversary or a date, like what what is it? My ex boyfriend he he was actually like this too. He was an he was a birthday monster, and I, I it was so funny. That's kind of one of the reasons that this question jumped out at me. Not because like it necessarily resonated for my birthday, because A lot of my friends didn't wish me happy birthday, whatever. I know that they're there for me, it's fine, I don't care. But my ex-boyfriend, I remember it was his birthday and his birthday was actually also our anniversary and it was our one year anniversary. And he sat there at dinner. First of all, did not wish me a happy anniversary at any point during the day, not even a text. Like yes, it's his special day, it's his birthday, but it was a special day for me too. And I, as the day went on, I just got angrier and angrier. And so we went to dinner. And he sat there and listed an endlessly bullet pointed list of all the things people did for him that just weren't enough. Well, they gave me a cake at work, but they only gave me one. They know I like chocolate and vanilla. Okay, so my parents sent me flowers. What the fuck kind of man needs to be sent flowers, I ask you? But they know I don't like roses, that I'm allergic to them. I mean, don't even get me started. And I just sat there with my arms crossed and I literally didn't say a word. And I was like, you sound like you're 11 years old. Are you listening to yourself? You could not sound more bratty and aggrandizing and entitled and so selfish because do you know what today also is? And when I called him out and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. When you're suicidal, you're homicidal. When you're only focused on yourself, you're going to hurt other people. But let's talk about this in terms of the actual birthday logistics. If you need flowers on your birthday, let people know that. Say, Hey, I don't care what else you have planned. You you don't even, even need to plan anything. For me, birthdays are flowers. Birthdays are pink roses with a whole bunch of baby's breath. That is like what I need to feel like I had a successful birthday. And anything else on top of that is gravy. That's great for me. My birthday has to have a white cake with pink and white frosting. Has to. I don't care if you fly in a chef from the Ritz Paris to whip up patisserie. I want a fucking white cake (laughs) with pink and white frosting. That's what I want. And I tell people that. And now that I'm an adult... I just buy my own cake. I bought my own cakes this year. And my friend's like, why did you buy your cake? And I'm like, because I have cake insecurity anxiety. I need to know that I have the cake that I want, that makes me happy, so that I'm not disappointed and bitter that someone couldn't magically read my mind about what I needed. And also, so I didn't have to be a massive douche and text my friends like, hey, just in case you were thinking of buying me a cake, this is the kind I want. And them am to be like, um, we weren't, but... Okay. I don't want to have to ask someone for a present and I don't want to have to feel like this present isn't right. I'm an adult. I buy my own presents. I'm a warm blooded animal. I generate the things that I need and therefore other things people give me, happy birthday text sent with balloons, a wonderful gift basket from my bestie Rebecca, trash can nachos, the Guy Fieri specialty delivered from Katie. All of that is such, it's such truly, pardon the pun, icing on the cake. It's okay because I am where I need to be emotionally, right? So if you have this feeling about a variety of situations, your first day of school, graduation, look at what you can give to yourself. And I know, I know the roadblock. I shouldn't have to. (sighs) Okay. This concept of should, you know what that is? That's entitlement, that's entitlement. It is this fundamental baseline feeling of life owes me. Now, life owes, my friends owe me. And again, that circles back to any sort of emotional bankruptcy. I've bankrupted myself pulling up for people and now, God damn it, they're going to repay. Or it goes bigger than that. Life owes me this. What are you basing that on exactly? Life owed Nelson Mandela 32 years of freedom. He didn't get it. I'm just tired of hearing the complaints about what life is supposed to give us. And uh, someone was like, that's really harsh when you say that. <laughs> life is harsh. I am merely the mouthpiece of life itself sometimes. Like, I. it's better to hear it from me in this podcast for two sentences and be like, oh than to hear it for the next 65 years in fits and spurts and, and jabs and micro doses from life itself and just not get the memo. I, in this last year, completely let go of the concept that life owes me something. A lot of very unfair things happened. And instead of asking why, why, which is natural and it's righteous. We have every, you know, that's natural. Of course I reframe it. I'm like, okay, why? why did God bring me here? Why did life bring me here? What am I supposed to learn? What are we doing here? Because then when you can learn, you can grow. And when you can grow, something isn't just painful for no reason. It's a chapter in the book of success. It is a part of a champion's story. So again, while this might seem like just a birthday post about flowers and trips, as with so many things, it goes deeper. And when we can let ourselves sit with those things, Then we can start to dismantle them, and then we can have the birthday we deserve. Okay, let's talk about sex for this next question. So this little chickadee said, Hi, girlies, I'm newly out of a four-year relationship and want to have more sexual experiences. My boyfriend and I were both virgins when we met, so obviously sexual health was easy because, you know, you've only had one partner. But my question is, how do you stay sexually healthy while having sex with new or multiple people? I know there can be issues with condoms that they break or even that you still have one on. There's a chance of getting some STDs like herpes because of skin to skin contact. I always hear Shaolin and other people talking about how many guys they've slept with. (laughs) Rude. But accurate. But I always have the sexual health thing in my mind. Another concern is being physically safe while having sex with people you just met. That they don't lock you up or something. I don't know. You know, worst case scenario. How do you know it's safe to go home with someone? Or do they come home with you? Any tips would be appreciated. So (laughs) I am the condom queen. I love condoms. Part of the reason. I mean, I love them because they keep me safe. But I also like them because sometimes guys don't. Isn't that messed up? What a cruel mistress I am. Listen, listen. We have to wear bras with underwires, thongs, heels, tampons, eyelash extensions, Botox. A guy can wear a fucking condom. And if he doesn't like it, good. Ooh, you don't... Wait, you feel like there's something on your body that's uncomfortable, but it's making you more attractive to the opposite sex? <laughs> what? I just can't relate to that except for every moment of my life. So I am all about the condoms. Love them. I actually used to be a Trojan ambassador, so I know a lot about condoms. You pretty much always want to go for magnums. They're just wider at the base. You know, they're not for like huge, like donkey dick men. Like you really don't. They fit like almost everyone. And you know, the looser, not you don't want them like loose and baggy, but if they have a more comfortable fit, it's going to be better for the guys, it's going to be better for blood flow, and he's going to be more likely to wear them and not bitch about it. But to me, condoms are like the litmus test. It's like, if you don't want to wear condoms, I don't want to have sex with you. Oh, come on, I'm clean. I'm like, I don't care. You know what I compare condoms to? Shoes. I love the outdoors. I love being out in nature. I don't do it barefoot. That would be ridiculous. Oh, come on. I'm sure that field is fine. What could possibly be out there? Uh, Rusty nails, rattlesnakes, glass bottles, a cow, poop, all sorts of things. All sorts of things. And it's not the field's fault. It doesn't mean it's a bad, naughty, disgusting field. It means that that kind of comes with literally the territory. So I wear shoes. And I use condoms, too. And one of you guys commented, you're like, maybe just, like, don't do blowjobs. I am... I am, honey, I'm good at them. But blowjobs are for boyfriends. Blowjobs are for boyfriends. Like, they're very intimate to me. Um, I don't just, like, willy-nilly get down there. I want to know someone. I want to know about their history, you know? And it, I mean, it's tough because it's an extreme thing to be like, let's both go to the clinic and get tested. Like, that's what they teach you in health class, and that's all well and good on paper. But I think if we only tell ourselves that, like, that's the only way to do it, you have to do that, We're going to run into the real world scenario and be like, I kind of can't. This is weird. I, I don't know if I can do this. And then we feel like a complete failure and we're like, well, fuck it. Why even use condoms at all? Like we really have to be a bit more realistic. So I would love your guys' tips on like truly how to navigate this. Have you had, have you said to guys like, yo, like let's go, let's go here and let's get tested and stuff. I've been hearing a lot of STD horror stories lately, like HIV horror stories Right. I just, my heart just breaks for someone who might be in that situation and someone who's in any STD situation, because it's so unfair what society makes you think about yourself. One of my friends choked, she's like, I'd rather get AIDS than herpes because no one's going to do a 5K herpes run in your honor. Like no one's going to do a fundraiser. for you. No one's going to call you like brave. They're going to call you gross and dirty. But if you get AIDS, you're like a warrior and a fighter. You're a warrior and a fighter for both, and you're not gross and dirty if you have either. But that, but you know, like the perception of society skews certainly one way or the other. I would say just take things super, super, super slow. Because what I hear in this message is a lot of fear. Healthy fear. Healthy, healthy fear. There is there's a book I want you guys to read called The Gift of Fear. And it touches on like, how do I know if I should go home with someone? Our bodies do let us know, or it, they really do. You just get a bad feeling, uh, no, I'm, I'm okay. You maybe don't like something like the sound of their voice. That's true, that's like a biological reaction. You don't like the sound of someone's voice, it's significant. So learn to, t- to tune in to those physical clues and always err on the side of caution. No quality man, is going to be like, well, fuck you if you don't go home with him right away. Or if you're like, no, I don't I don't really want to go to your house. When I moved to Montana and I was on Tinder, I couldn't, I mean, I lost count of how many guys were like, it would, it would always start the same way. It's like, hey, we should meet for a drink. I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I'm super new to town, so you just like, tell me what's fun. Actually, why don't you just come over here and bring wine? Ah, uh, let me count the ways that's not going to happen. And I said that. I was like, first of all, a gentleman supplies the drinks. Like, Second of all, I don't trust your taste in wine. You're 23. Third of all, I don't know you from Adam. I'm not going to go over to your like murder apartment. (laughs) Like I said it a little bit nicer than that. But honestly, not much because it was so presumptuous. And again, if a guy is asking you to do that, he does not understand the female experience. He doesn't get it. And I cannot be with a man who doesn't understand what it's like to be us. I mean, of course, they're never going to 100% walk in our shoes. I'm never going to 100% be able to walk in the shoes of a gay man or a handicapped person or a black woman, but I can try to empathize. And truly, I think our femaleness gives us so much empathy. It's like, girl, I know what it's like to be afraid. I know what it's like to be belittled and preyed upon. And if dudes don't, fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. I only date guys with sisters. But Yeah, every relationship I've had, they've had a sister and they've been close with their mom because- Those women are telling them the female experience and they're approaching women with more respect. But you know what, if they're not, we cannot be afraid to cut them off because that's another aspect of the fear I hear in this message. Well, you know, the, the tacit question is, if I don't feel comfortable, what do I do? You get up and walk away. You block them on Tinder. You just don't respond. You say, you know, I actually don't feel comfortable doing that. Like, There's some weird people out there. LOL, I'm sure you're not one of them, but I'd rather like go to a brewery and get a drink. Again, a quality guy is going to be like, hey, sure, no problem. I totally get that. A predator will say, oh, so you just think I'm some freak? Wow. Wow. And that's what I had a lot of guys say to me on Tinder. And I point blank said to them, your reaction to this is the most troubling part of all. A quality guy would have no issue going out. Or you're so broke you can't take me out for a beer. Either case, it's a no for me, dog. Right? That's a no for me. And so what? They don't like me? They go around town to be like, that girl, Shallon's a bitch. I've never met her and she wouldn't come over to my house and suck my dick on a Wednesday. Who on earth do you think is going to take his side? You know what I mean? It's like, if that truly is like the worst case scenario that we're afraid of when we stand up for ourselves... And it is important that we reason out what these worst case scenarios are and shine a light on the monster under the bed because it's either so unlikely or it's so ridiculous. Like, oh yeah, that dude whose name I cannot even remember is talking trash about me. And people are like, what? What are you talking about? Okay. There's some beta male in his murder cave talking shit about me. Life goes on. So the crucial part is to set your personal emotional boundaries up front. Because we, we've done a lot of videos on sexual boundaries. Watch the army hammer one about like when a guy is pushing you too far. The time to communicate your boundaries is not usually when the bra is already off, right? You want to have something in mind. And I've said on dates before, hey, you know, I only hook up if I'm in a relationship. <laughs> I had to practice saying it in front of the mirror. But like I go through phases where I'm like, no, I don't want to just sleep with anybody. I go through phases where I'm like, mm, I'm a red-blooded American girl. I have needs. But the constant there is safety. And that breaks down in many different ways. It it always includes condoms, right? But safety can mean, no, I don't want to go to your house. I don't even want you to come to my house. I would rather go to someone's house than have them come to my house. I don't want people to know where I live. I'm extremely private about where I live. Safety could be like, you're getting my Hushed app number. This Hushed is cool. It's like you can... Uh, You get like your own private phone number. I'll put the link in the bio, but because there's a special deal for shalligators, but it's, it it has its own inbox and everything, its own voicemail box. So you are like completely protected. So safety can granulate down however you want it. Like, okay, we can make out in your truck, but we're not going out to the middle of the woods. Let's just make out here in the parking lot. I'm fine. And again, the people who hate your boundaries are the ones who don't want you to have any at all. So use your boundaries as a litmus test to weed out people. You're new to this whole sexual arena. The last thing you want is to get traumatized. And looking at my history, so much of my own sexual trauma circles back to me not having enough boundaries or being too afraid to communicate them because I thought I had to be polite and go along with it or he wouldn't like me if I said no or everyone's going to make fun of me and call me the prude and the virgin. And again, had I paused and been like, What the fuck is the worst case scenario if any of those come to pass? Because the worst case scenario if we don't communicate our boundaries is we are resentful of ourselves and we're bitter and we're stuck in spirals and we're stuck in trauma loops and we cannot have that happen. So yes, carry condoms. I think it's so offensive that we have to. I've never met a man carrying tampons. Have you? No. But I would rather have a few in the glove compartment and be safe and know that I am protected, then risk my health and put that much power in the hands of a man that I know very well, or even one that I don't. Because nothing is more precious than our health and our peace of mind.